welcome to a new podcast venture between the When It Was Cool Network and Odessa Steps Magazine. I'm Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Steps Magazine and host of the Winter Palace podcast. You may have heard Carl on one of our podcasts over the years. He goes back with us all the way to episode two. Uh, instead of moving the pod here, as we had talked about, instead I talked to Carl and decided that I would pitch him on doing a new show, which he seemed to be okay with. It may change over time, but for now, it's going to be called The Plot, and will be an examination of classic espionage and heist television shows and maybe movies. We're starting right at the top with my all-time favorite television show, which is the 1960s show Mission Impossible. This is only the television show. We do not talk about the movie. If you only know the tropes of Mission Impossible from either, um, you'll be surprised to know how many of them are actually in the pilot from the very beginning and how many of them do not come until later episodes. The pilot was written and produced by series creator Bruce Geller, pitched and sold to Desilu, which was the Desi and Lucille Ball production company, the same people that made Star Trek at the same time, and the show aired on CBS on September 17, 1966. We are in the full peak of the mid-60s spy craze. Um, the Man from U.N.C.L.E. had already been on television, so this was seen as CBS's spy show to go against NBC's Man from U.N.C.L.E. The show did not star Peter Graves, who everybody always associates with the show. He did not come until season two. Season one, the team leader is Stephen Hill, who plays Dan Briggs. Um, over the course of the first season, um, Hill clashed with producers over acting methods and also because of his religious beliefs, he did not work on um, from from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, so that made obviously made making a network television show kind of difficult. So, for a number of reasons, he ended up leaving the show and re was replaced by Peter Graves, who we all remember as. We also have the traditional original cast here in the pilot. Greg Morris as electronics expert Barney Collier, Peter Lupus as strongman Willie Armitage, Barbara Bain as the resourceful and beautiful Simon Carter, and Martin Landau as disguise expert, which I guess is mainly what he's known for, Rollin Hand. The funny part is, of course, when Bruce Geller originally pitched Martin Landau to be on the show, his character was actually going to be named Martin Land, which Landau thought was silly, so they changed it from Martin Land to Rollin Hand. The only guest star in this episode on the team is safe cracker Terry Targo, who was played by longtime TV star Wally Cox, who people would have remembered as Mr. Peepers and was also at the same time the voice of Underdog on the Underdog cartoon. There are no guest villains in this episode. 
there are a number of people who over the course of the series became well known as being occasional guest villains none of them are here the only, the major villain is actually played by Landau under makeup uh doing double duty and as we'll see in the episode triple duty instead of the self-destructing tape recorder which is probably one of the two or three lasting hallmarks of the show we have a self-destructing record and what does that record say let's take a listen good morning mr briggs General Rio Dominguez, the dictator of Santa Costa, makes his headquarters in the Hotel Nacional. We've learned that two nuclear warheads furnished to Santa Costa by an enemy power are contained in the hotel vault. Their use is imminent. Mr. Briggs, your mission, should you decide to accept it, would be to remove both nuclear devices from Santa Costa. As always, you have carte blanche as to method and personnel. But of course, should you or any member of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. As usual, this recording will decompose one minute after the breaking of the seal. I hope it's welcome back, Dan. It's been a while. So what's the plan? How are they going to get these nuclear warheads out of Santa Costa? Oh, I'm not going to tell you. You should watch the episode and find out. I will say that the plan does not go according to schedule, as you might expect, so the team is forced to improvise on the fly while they're in the middle of this mission to get the warheads out and escape the country. As you might expect from the pilot, this has high, higher production values than the regular TV episodes of the course of the series. They brought in a special director of photography to shoot the show, and the script contains a number of set pieces that would not be regularly replicated on a weekly TV budget, such as the car chase from the hotel to the airport and the use of a private jet that they are hoping to use to escape the country. And yes, we should probably mention now, as this is a show made in the 1960s, and we're going to be dealing with shows made in the 60s and 70s and maybe 80s, there are pluses and minuses of cultural norms of the time versus now. There's some now clunky dialogue with Cinnamon using her feminine wiles to distract guards and some kind of clunky dialogue with, between her and Rollin. And we will have lots of old white guys playing various ethnicities, uh, Latinos, uh, folks from the Middle East, and so on. On the other hand, it's important to remember that Greg Morris's Barney Collier uh, has been cited over the years as one of the more positive uh, black role models on television, especially in genre TV at the time, usually mentioned alongside Nichelle Nichols's Lieutenant O'Hara in Star Trek, and uh, I hate to say it, but yes, Bill Cosby on, on I Spy. So should you watch this episode? Yes. Should you watch lots of episodes of Mission Impossible, at least until the first cast change? Yes. Where can you see this? 
Mission Impossible is currently streaming on Paramount Plus. If you go to places like YouTube and Daily Motion, you may be able to find certain episodes. The episodes, I believe, are all still available on DVD. If you're a fan of the show or want to know more about the show and want to learn more than just what's on the internet, I highly recommend the Complete Mission Impossible Dossier by Patrick J. White, which first came out in the early 90s and has been reprinted every so often over the years. It used to seem like it would be reprinted either when the show started again in syndication on a new channel or when one of the movies came out. And we're back. A few days after we recorded the original pilot, after we gave Carl a chance to listen to it, and some other folks I know that have been on the show before, and everybody seemed to like it, even though it was a tad short, so we decided to keep what we had originally done, and we're going to do an additional review episode this of perhaps the most famous episode of the series and often voted its greatest episode, Season 3's The Execution. Good morning, Mr. Phelps. The man you're looking at is Louis Palmer, who, by extortion, kidnapping, and murder, is coming close to taking control of the food distribution industry for the entire United States. Using his control of food prices as leverage, Parma is now moving towards positions of power in other important areas of business, labor, and government. Your mission, Jim, should you decide to accept it, is to put Louis Parma out of business. As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Jim. The Execution was written by series producers William Reed Woodfield and Alan Balter. It was the fifth episode of season three and aired on November 16, 1968. The main guest cast was Byron Keith as Dr. Henry Loomis, who was part of the team, Vincent Gardenia as Louis Palma, Luke Askew as Vic- Victor Duchelle, and Val Avery as Al Ross. Two-time Oscar nominee Gardenia is probably the best known of the guest stars this week, with a long career in film and theater. He might best be remembered these days for his award-nominated role in Moonstruck. Val Avery and Luke Askew were longtime film and TV character actors. And Byron Keith, you may recognize as occasionally appearing as Mayor Linseed on the Batman 66 television show. Woodfield had a few years earlier written a book called Ninth Life, which was about the final hours of a death row inmate. So this script was obviously written from a place of expertise for him. He was a strong advocate against capital punishment and made this episode as realistic as possible to show what he felt were the horrors of the gas chamber and the like. While we didn't want to spoil the plot of the pilot when we did the earlier part of this episode, We're going to discuss the plot of this episode here, since that's why it's so well known. Jim Phelps poses as a local grocer who will not give in to Louis Palma's extortion tactics. 
once he provokes him too far, Palma brings in his hitman, Vic, to rub out Phelps and his wife, played by Cinnamon. Vic does the job, so or so he thinks, but is soon captured. But when he wakes up, he finds himself not only in prison, but it is now a few years in the future. His lawyer, played by Cinnamon, wants him to roll over and finger Palma, but he steadfastly refuses. He begins to waver after seeing fellow deathmate inmate Rollin put to death. And at the same time, Palma and Ross have shown up at the warehouse where the team has built their makeshift prison. He refuses to crack up until the very end when he is strapped into the chair and the cyanide canisters begin to dissolve. And when he breaks, boy does he break. tried to get to Vic inside the makeshift gas chamber, but couldn't. And as they leave, they are caught at gunpoint by the team with Jim carrying the recording of Vic's confession. Now, would this be admissible of court? Well, best not to ask these questions of a 1960. As you can tell just from this brief clip, this episode was an acting tour de force by a number of people in the cast, particularly... Gardenia, Askew, and Martin Landau. We did not hear Martin Landau's emotional portrayal as the convict getting put to death, but it was very effective, and Landau commented just how strenuous it was to do that part. So that's it for the first episode of The Plot. 
We will hopefully be back soon with another examination of a spy or heist show. It may not be from the 60s. It may not even be live action. If you want to let Carl know what you thought, or if you have any ideas for future shows, I'm sure there will probably be a post in the When It Was Cool Patreon section or on the website. Uh, you can also reach us on Twitter at Mag. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank <laughs> you.